0: Welcome everyone to a devour the podcast, uh, an appetizer of sorts. Uh, This is uh, the premiere episode of uh, a a sideshow, uh, an an appendage of devour the podcast that I'm calling uh, it was 20 fears ago today or something. I don't know if you have a better idea. Let me know. I like it. It brings out the Beatles fan in me at any rate. This first episode may actually be a little bit of an anomaly, because the intent here is to do like a deep dive on a movie that people may not know so well, or haven't really considered. But the problem I ran into is that the movie I most wanted to talk about has very little information I could find on the production of the film itself, but we will not let that deter us from examining the B-movie sludge horror opus, Phantoms. Uh, Phantoms began as a novel from Dean Koontz, or as I think of him, the bus station Stephen King. But Koontz is, to say the least, a prolific author. Um, he's used around ten pseudonyms and at one point published uh, up to eight books a year in a number of genres. But horror and suspense were the most frequent genres in which he played. And while I might have been a little dismissive about Koontz's status, there is absolutely no denying that he is an incredibly successful author, and I've read a bunch of them. Um, In 2008, he was actually tied with John Grisham as the sixth highest paid author, and he was pulling in about $25 million annually. So he publishes the novel Phantoms in uh, in 1983, and we'll get into the, the story of that here in a minute. But suffice to say that the tale was heavily inspired by H.P. Lovecraft, including allusions to Njarl and a character named Arkham. And if you're a real Lovecraft nerd, that's the kind of thing to make you squee like the Goat with a Thousand Young or something. The hardcover uh, coming on the heels of the more realistic horror novel Whispers bombed. Reviews were good, but people just didn't seem to be interested in this tale of sentient goo. At least until the paperback was released. And the paperback landed on the bestseller list uh, right along with Whispers. And as of 2010 was the last statistic I saw for it. But uh, Phantoms, the book, is in its 60th printing. So it's been a wild success over the years. Now in 1998, 20 years ago, the film version of Phantoms was released. And the Lovecraft references were lost in the translation. Koontz wrote the script himself, and director Joe Chappelle was brought on to bring the film to life. Chappelle had only completed two features to this point, uh, a movie called Thieves Quartet, and more significant for our listeners, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Yep, the the one with Paul Rudd and the cult? That guy. So, speaking of casting, Phantoms has a pretty great one. Uh, Peter O'Toole, Mr. Lawrence of Arabia himself, is Timothy Flight, the you know, in quotes, crackpot author who gets an ancient evil right. Uh, ben Affleck is our lead, Sheriff Bryce Hammond. Aside from the Kevin Smith movies, he was right high on Goodwill Will Hunting. Uh, Liev Schrieber as the creepy Deputy Stu Wargle shows up to remind us that he's always been pretty great in movies. Um, the two sisters that feature so prominently in both the book and the film are played by Joanna Going and Rose McGowan as Jennifer and Lisa Paley, respectively. Going was featured in the Dark Shadows reboot in the early 90s, as well as a number of films and has been working steadily for about 30 years, including like House of Cards and the From Dust Till Dawn series. And uh, Rose McGowan has famously been a face of the Me Too movement and is probably still best known for Scream at the time Phantoms came along. I mean, even today, that's probably what she's best known for, right? So that's the specs on this movie, but why are we talking about it? What makes Phantoms so special? Maybe it's the equal doses of Bad B-Movie, and interesting execution of its ideas, bolstered by performances, I would argue, that are better than the film itself. Also, the head-scratching casting of Affleck, who looks way too young by half to be the former FBI man and local sheriff Or maybe it's the dog, or you know what, let's just get into it. So folks, turn out the lights... And set the Wayback Machine to 1998 as we screen for your ears Dean Koontz's Phantoms. <laughs> So the Paley sisters, older sister Jennifer and younger sister Lisa, are driving to Jennifer's remote ski town home of Snowfield, Colorado, and it is not Lisa's idea of a good time.
1: Okay, fine. I'll stay a month, I mean, a month won't be so bad, right? No offense, it's just that I don't think snowfall can exactly compare to L.A., you know, activity-wise. Besides, but Mom's gonna need me to go back soon. Mom will be fine, Lisa. Anyway, it's healthier up here. Less smog, less gunfire. I like smog. I like gunfire. Less Ronnie. Oh, you don't even know him. I know the type. He's cute. They always are. (laughs) Well, how many people live here? 400 in the winter. In the summer, with the tourists, it can be 4,000. I guess it's kind of cute, in a dorky sort of way. Is it always this quiet? No, no it isn't.
0: Obviously, something has gone very wrong in Snowfield. They soon discover Jennifer's housekeeper dead.
1: Looks like somebody beat the shit out of her.
0: No, she died suddenly, how
1: do you know? There's no blood. No
0: sign, struggle. Creepy, right? Not only is the housekeeper taking an eternal smoke break, the phones are out of order, and the car they drove up in isn't working anymore. So they head for the police station, where they discover more bodies, and Lisa is not having the best vacation.
1: It's a disease, Jenny. Wait, just wait. Screw waiting, Jenny. I don't want to die like this. Lisa, we're, we're not dying. gonna die! Okay? okay, we're gonna be. be Lisa, Lisa, calm down. Why? Calm down! God damn it, you brought me here!
0: When Jennifer discovers some spent cartridges near the dead bodies, they conclude that the threat in Snowfield isn't in fact, a disease. The place is a ghost town, and the Paley sisters hunt for signs of life.
1: Everybody's dead. No, it can't be. Not a whole town. Is there a nuke point around here? No. Big military base? No. Maybe radiation? Radiation doesn't kill in a blink. Besides, it reburns burns lesions.
0: They head for the Lieberman's Bakery, and Jennifer assures Lisa that they are always home. On the way, there are hints that someone or something may be watching them. At the bakery, they find a pair of severed hands attached to a rolling pin and poor Mrs. Lieberman's head in the oven. Fleeing the bakery, the sisters are stopped by a ringing phone, only this is a call that comes collect from the Twilight Zone. Shit, sorry. 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 Fortunately, the Fuzz has shown up to save the day. Sheriff Bryce Hammond and his crack team of deputies to the rescue. Only, they don't seem a lot more sure of what's happening than the Paley sisters.
1: Paul Henderson was on the phone to us at headquarters. The line just went dead. We got here as soon as we could. Used to be FBI. Like me and Bryce. He was a good cop. If Paul was attacked, why didn't he see it coming? Paul didn't make mistakes.
0: Just one. Excuse me? Former FBI. At 30 years old? Sure thing, Ben. About this time, everything in town goes, to put it scientifically, bananas. If anybody was alive, wouldn't that have
1: brought them out? Those lights. That's the candle glow in. Stu, Steve, bring them. Stu. Stu. Hey, Stu.
0: While the tension ratchets up, Leah Schreiber as deputy Stu Wargle is maybe not doing so hot.
1: Stu. Stu. Hey, Stu. Are you okay? Yeah. I need you to be okay here. Alright?
0: I'm okay. You okay? Yeah. (laughs) Okay then. That is not the sound of someone who is fine. Our heroes investigate the local inn where they've spotted some lights. Inside, the cops investigate, and we have another peek into Stu's declining mental state as he interrogates a lady's corpse. And is suppressed by <laughs> Sheriff Hammond. Hi. You want to tell me what happened here?
1: What are you doing, Stu? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was just, uh, I was just, uh, looking for clues. Yeah. Watch the hallway, all right?
0: Sheriff Hammond happens upon a message written on a mirror in a locked, windowless room reading Timothy Flight, The Ancient Enemy. Meanwhile, Creepy Stew is making time with Lisa in the hallway. They also find a pile of discarded jewelry, gold teeth, and even pacemakers. While a mysterious force teases them with magically appearing severed hands, Hammond calls in <clears throat> Hammond calls in the name Timothy Flight before the phones go dead again. Tensions with Stew are rising at the end. So guess we're on our own.
1: Oh wait a minute, Stu. Hey. Nobody's going off on their own here. We still have a chain of command. This has to be a managed response. Managed response. I'm, I'm sorry, Sheriff. I, I don't have my book on me. Is that an FBI term? What's your problem, Stu? Nothing. Just trying to learn to be a better cop. You know what? That doctor sure is cute. <sighs> I'm not going to have this conversation with you, Stu. What conversation what is that, that, Sheriff? Any conversation. I'm just saying it seems like two you are hitting it off. Be ashamed Look, guy. Stu, I don't know what you're... but it's not funny, it's not cute,
0: and I don't know what you're trying to do, so just cut it out. I like the little sister, though. Soon after, Stu has his face eaten by a giant monster moth. Yep, it's pretty good.
1: It ate through his face. Consumed the eyes, most of the soft tissue, and the entire brain.
0: And young Lisa... Has a bit of a theory about their situation.
1: It wanted Deputy Wargo first. It wants men like him most of all. What do you mean it wants men like him? Well, it's the devil, don't you think? Come up from hell tonight? I think he wants to dance with us.
0: The FBI locates Timothy Flight, as played by Peter O'Toole, who looks like he has found a way to drink while drinking.
1: The FBI reads Wide World News. Only if it's about the ancient enemy. They're based on a scholarly treatise I published while at Oxford University. Got you kicked off the faculty. They weren't quite that rude, no boot to the bottom. You gotta admit, Doc, it's a pretty radical theory. I used to believe that any theory, once published with supporting evidence, then became open to discussion and debate. But I've learned how envious, vindictive, and vicious the academic community can be. They're swine. Polite swine, but swine nonetheless.
0: So, citing national security... The feds give Flight a one-way trip to Crazy Town. Back at the inn, Sheriff Hammond tries to explain how he became Sheriff so young. Spoilers, it's the diehard retirement plan.
1: He had a gun. He was hiding in a closet. And the gun turned out to be a toy. picture around with you. you might
0: yourself. Shouldn't be forgotten. And now that Jennifer and the sheriff are getting all chummy, Lisa decides it's time for a pee and requests an escort from one of the deputies. She hears some odd bumps and of course goes to investigate. While the spooky bathroom stall might be empty, our old pal Stu shows up with black eyes, but is otherwise intact. Still, Lisa doesn't take the return so well.. You, see something? you are so fucking cute no. I died, I died. I died. The bathroom is empty upon investigation, but ain't nobody sleeping well at the end tonight, especially when the cavalry shows up in the form of a scout helicopter. Sheriff Hammond decides it's time to get the civilians out of snowfield. But the police vehicles have been damaged too.
1: Looks like it's been crushed in a hydraulic press. No one's really out there. It's just trying to bait us. Like your deputy at the inn. Okay. Let's let's go back inside.
0: And in case you're wondering what all this is about, Flight finally lays down some of the exposition so necessary for a movie like this while being whipped around in an FBI vehicle.
1: You people are only stump drivers. We're interested in this thing you call the ancient enemy. Not the tablets, the Hard signs you know, I assume, that history is filled with mysterious disappearances for which neither archaeologists nor anthropologists can provide adequate logical explanations? For instance? December 10th, 1939, in the hills outside Nanking, China, an army of 3,000 Chinese soldiers vanished without a trace long before they reached the battlefield. No bodies, no graves, no witnesses. Consider the Mayan cities of Copan, Piedras, Negras, Palenque, back in 610 A.D., deserted overnight, hundreds of thousands of Mayans missing. Conventional theories of disease or war don't explain why there were no mass graves, and there's ample evidence to show that Mayan families vanished after preparing elaborate dinners, but before eating them. And there's a the disappearance of the English colony on Roanoke Island, North Carolina, in 1590. Many others many. Just what is this thing? Chaos.
0: Chaos in the flesh. Sounds reasonable. Flight is then introduced to the team of scientists preparing their field expedition. When the team arrives, Sheriff Hammond greets the new folks, leading to this gem of a trailer line. The
1: first thing we need to know is what we're dealing with here. The kind of threat it is. Biological, chemical, or other. Uh, well, I'm...
0: I'm leaning toward other. The investigation of the town now begins on a grander scale, but nothing new is revealed aside from a new pile of uh, discarded jewelry alongside one of the deceased priests in the local church, and Flight has a theory about this too. At the
1: base of the statue of Mary, almost like an offering, there's a large accumulation of metal buttons, wristwatches,
0: jewelry. Everything metal.
1: Not an offering undigested remains, and a little something preserved and put aside for later, like a spider might do it.
0: As the hunt for evidence continues, the science team is attacked by a myriad of unseen and half-seen creatures, reducing our number of heroes to a more manageable number. We are also treated to the first appearance of our true villain, an adorable puppy who is such a good boy, a good good boy. At least he lived through it.
1: Come on. But how does he live through it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good dog, huh? It's okay. It's a good dog, huh? That's a good boy. It's okay. Yeah. a Good boy. Good dog. Better yeah. get away from him. Don't
0: The hell? What is it? <laughs> this scene is in no way a ripoff of the thing, unless of course dogs turning into monsters is somehow like the thing. The newly deceased and sludge-possessed scientists now speak as one to tell Flight his purpose, and Flight doesn't handle it too well.
1: You were brought here Dr. Flight. Do your research. Write <clears throat> the gospel. It's here! It's everywhere all around us!
0: To aid in flight study, the ancient enemy gives a piece of itself in the shape of a gecko lizard and this warning. My
1: flesh. Study it. Write the gospel. But do not try to leave. Witnesses to the miracle.
0: Sheriff Hammond reminds Flight that there was a whole movie happening before he showed up and suggests that they all leave in one of the mobile labs. But Flight reminds him that this thing they're facing can crush engines and whatnot. So now that Flight is here, the others are starting to question their purpose in the eyes of the creature they face while Flight examines the sample he's been given. Maybe it's like flatworm learning.
1: Like what? Certain flatworms can gradually learn to negotiate a maze. Then if you grind them up and feed them to another batch of flatworms, batch two come run the same maze on the first try. They absorb the knowledge with the flesh. The oldest living thing on the planet. Don't you think we would have heard of it by now? I mean, it wasn't exactly shy. It lives out of sight in the earth, in deep geological structures. But if it comes up to feed... Rarely. Mostly it sifts life forms from the soil. Like a whale sifts tiny krill and plankton from the ocean. No doubt it feeds on marine life too. It may lie dormant between feeding for years or even decades at a time. Over centuries, only a tiny percentage of this thing's prey has been human beings, but from them it's absorbed knowledge, acquired intelligence. So what you're saying is that this thing can assume the shape or the form of anything that it's absorbed? Or maybe even imaginary creatures. Anything a victim may have seen in a movie or even dreamed about. So then it must know everything that the people in this town knew. about you, Dr. Fly And about me.
0: The interesting question here is whether the entity they face is legitimately supernatural, a god or the devil or something else. And the movie, I think, dispenses with that question too quickly. It's a great idea that the movie does nothing with and it's one of the fatal flaws of the film, ultimately. But anyway, next we hear directly from the creature as it manipulates, or something, the computers on the mobile lab. What's happening?
1: Vocal mode emission. To the world, the end begins here. Who are you? I am Paul. I'm I am... I am... Demon. Kittles. Some of its victims must have thought it was the devil. It absorbed that concept from them and believes that's what it is. Why have you killed these people? They are cattle. Would you let us live? One of it's your species has <laughs> ruined my existence. It's like a pop doing really a difficult trick. what Matthew Mark killed. i town only
0: in we, we can you achieve, achieve. immortality. Not in God, Nothing Christ. Yes.
1: We do what you say, will you let us live?
0: The response, of course, is a ground shaking earthquake of guilt and remorse. While the mobile labs are rocking, Sheriff Hammond. Does not come a knocking. Uh, he confronts flight over the creature's power.
1: It's not a god, it's not a devil, it's what? just a fucking animal, and any living thing can be right. killed. This thing is what right up the dinosaurs! It's a pretty tough fucking cops What do you want me to tell you? All I'm saying is, I know it's got a weakness! What weakness? Ego! Wait, it thinks it's Satan, right? Satan has the biggest ego of all! They need to think he was greater than God! And he took a fall, right! That's why it turned this town into a fucking funhouse. That's why it manipulated us into bringing Dr. Flight here. It wanted you to see. It wanted you to. Show me how to kill this fucking thing.
0: Okay, so that may be one of the great all-time leaps of logic, but hey, we're here to have a good time, alright? Quit asking so many fucking questions. So our heroes debate how to find the meat of the thing, the juicy center of the monster, to deliver a bomb or chemical to it. Nobody has any bright ideas, but this does set the stage for our finale, which is well on the way. Meanwhile, Flight finds some interesting characteristics of our oozy devil. Petrolatum.
1: This thing is a lot more complex than the composition of petroleum jelly, of course, but there are similarities in the ratio of hydrocarbons and an even longer list of minerals and chemicals than you'd find in the human body. Hydrocarbons. What is it? Samples of bacteria. Virus, plus a selection of man made microbes. Oh, glorious day.
0: Flight shuts down the power on the mobile lab and fills the team in on his crazy scheme to beat this devil.
1: It could hear us only through the electronics, not now. All right, so what's in the vial? Biosound 14, a genetically engineered bacteria. A man made disease? No, harmless to us. It's a working bacterium, eats crude oil and excretes ecologically harmless byproducts. They use it to break up oil spills for about a decade now. Biosan 14 is new, the most aggressive strain yet. It can survive only in an oil rich environment, but then each microorganism reproduces itself every 11 seconds. It's swarmed through oil. They said ever since the Gulf War, they've carried a sample in case terrorists ever contaminate an oil field with it. <laughs> You're saying that we can use this stuff to attack the ancient enemy of yours like it was an oil spill
0: and, and infect it? So we have a Vaseline virus on deck to end the movie, but our heroes still need a way to get to the heart of the thing. There's a bit here about how it might survive if the nucleus separates itself from the mass, but let's come back to that. Sheriff Hammond retrieves the sample of Biosand 42 or whatever the fuck from one of the other labs under the watchful eye of our monster dog who now has reverted back to the form of a good boy who loves his belly. roll. Oh, yes, he does because he's a biscuit. Juvier uh, <laughs> Sheriff Hammond then gets his sample and returns to the mobile lab and they decide that they're going to use Flight to draw the thing out in the open. Flight marches out into the night and addresses our unseen villain. Oh, also, he uh, snitches and therefore is begging for stitches.
1: I'm here. Your witness. If I'm to tell the world, I need to see all of you, not just a drone. You wonder what's going on in there. They're preparing a weapon. Possibly a means to destroy you. I don't fucking believe him. He's selling us out. This son of a bitch is just out there trying to save his own ass. Wait. For what? For For him to play his hand. Specifically, it's a genetically engineered bacterium capable of devouring your flesh. Capable, they think, of killing you. What they don't understand is that death is for mortals, not for gods. Even after all they've witnessed tonight, they still don't believe. They still think you're only an animal, only a thing. Show yourself. Gods have nothing to fear.
0: The challenge works and it brings the thing out of hiding in the form of a tornado of bad CGI. Junior Detective Hammond fires some of the bio sludge into the thing and infects it and it rises and begins to decay, but there's still some life in the old prehistoric devil animal yet. One of the drones appears in the form of creepy Deputy Stew to terrorize the Paley sisters again and as always, Liev schrieber is in fine form. Oh, you got some guns. Ladies, you wouldn't shoot an unarmed man, would you?
1: That's a dumb question.
0: A flurry of bullets can't kill a Creepy Stew, though, who then chases them around with his entrails flowing behind him. It's one of the better moments of the movie, to be sure. And then there are various other creatures chasing our heroes around, but the beast has been mortally wounded. And after the death rows, the littlest sheriff, Sheriff Hammond, the Paisley sisters, and Flight chalk up a win for humanity, except, says Flight,
1: Still, it won. What do you mean? It wanted me to tell the world, and that's what I'm going to do.
0: And our journey ends in no way like the howling where we see flight on a bar television while some patrons drink and chat. At the bar is a cop who is revealed to be Creepy Stew, and we leave the movie like this. Hey, you want to see something? So looking back at Phantoms 20 years on. It's a little bit The Blob, a little bit Lovecraft, and a little bit pseudoscientific gobbledygook. But I would argue it's pretty fun gobbledygook. Uh, O'Toole is hamming it up wonderfully, Schrieber is effectively creepy, and there's something about science versus the supernatural, or perhaps preternatural, that I always enjoy. And the logic doesn't really hold up, the idea of Affleck as a grizzled sheriff doesn't land at all, but it works well enough as a creature feature, and I probably enjoyed this movie more than I should. And that's it. That's our inaugural episode of 20 Fears Ago to Today. Uh, I have a dozen movies locked and loaded for 2019 already, each of them marking a 20th anniversary. And, you know, I hope you join us on this uh, time traveling experiment. Um, it's fun to do, it's, it's fun to explore these movies some. So uh, let me know your thoughts. Hop over to the, uh, the Facebook page for uh, Devour the Podcast. Or you can just email me directly at bow at legion That is plural legionpodcasts.com. Uh, And let me know your thoughts. I, I of course, would be curious to hear also, uh, you know, be sure you're liking and subscribing and, you know, whatever you can do to help the show. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next week with another little bonus feature. Uh, all of this leading up to, the, uh, the big December episode of Devour the Podcast that is going to be all about uh, the Blair Witch Project and and the sequels and the mythology and the books and all kinds of stuff. It's going to be cool. So um, that's it. We'll see you next month for another uh, little tidbit from Devour the Podcast entitled It Was 20 Fears Ago Today. Uh, we'll see you next time.